0: If you're feeling stressed out and you got a big frown, listen to our show and slow the fuck down. Welcome to Slow the Fuck Down Show. Time to take a break from your fast-paced life. I'm sensuality coach, Casey Hall.
1: And I'm trauma healer, Elizabeth Menzel. Each episode, we choose a theme and explore different stories, skills, and songs to help you deal with the cluster cuss that is life in the aftermath of the pandemic.
0: On today's episode, slow the fuck down with feeling bad about yourself. Get cozy, grab your favorite
1: beverage, and soak in our soothing support. By
0: the end of the episode, you'll walk away with practical skills that actually work. Do you say mean things to yourself, put yourself down, and feel like damaged goods? We understand, especially now in the aftermath of the pandemic, there are so many extra pressures to deal with. You might be blaming yourself for making mistakes, freaking out about wasting time, or even feel like life is defeating you. If you're ready to slow down and change that shit around, we dedicate today's show to you.
1: Now, slow down, fans, if you're feeling so bad that you might be considering taking your own life, please call one 800 273 8255. That's 1-800-273-8255 and follow their advice. If you're suffering from eating disorders, substance use disorders, depression and anxiety, and you're doing any self-harm, please call the Recovery Village. 877-606-7298. That's 877 606 7298 and get the help you need and deserve right now. So, this is an epic, epic, epic show topic. Uh, Casey and I have really been going down the rabbit hole with this one. And the first time I remember consciously feeling bad about myself, I was only four years old. My father was in residency as a doctor in training, (laughs) about an hour away. So he would be away from home weeks at a time. And whenever my mom would tell me that my father was coming home this weekend, I would go into a total panic, full terror. And I was scared of my father because he always put so much pressure on my brother and I to be perfect. It seemed like he was just always mad at us. So I was always trying to be like this perfect little girl to not make my dad mad. And it didn't matter how well I behaved. It always seemed like he was disappointed in me, and he would find ways to shame me and make me feel stupid. And instead of like teaching us how to do things, because we were little kids and we didn't know how to do things, he would go on these like long winded shame rants and threaten to beat us with the paddle. And then he'd leave and be gone for weeks again. And this went on for years. So I believed that something was really, really wrong with me and that I must not deserve a loving father. And I took his his scorn and (laughs) neglect and turned that into hating myself in all kinds of ways. And then my poor mom was always struggling as a basically a married woman, but a single mom because she was always left alone with us kids. And I could tell she was really struggling. So then I felt like a burden. So it just all compounded. You know, as a kid, you can't process all of those uncomfortable, conflicting emotions. And they just turn into, I feel bad. I just feel bad. And then still as an adult, I hear other adults say that all the time. They lump all of their uncomfortable emotions into, I feel bad. People don't tease out or differentiate all the emotions like sadness. You know, if you're feeling sad about something, it becomes, I feel bad. If you're feeling anger, it becomes, I feel bad. There's this homogenization of all uncomfortable emotions fall under the moniker of, I feel bad. So, you know, even just for making small mistakes or if someone else is going through a hard time, we often say, I feel bad. And then we have the messages from religions saying that all humans are bad, especially women, are just pure evil. (laughs) And we have the patriarchy that says all women are bad and make women feel bad about themselves. So we have a lot to overcome to go from feeling inherently bad to feeling inherently good. And Casey and I have both been on a journey with that each in our own ways
0: and we're here to help you with that. Yeah, you you hit on the patriarchy and religion and some of the reasons why we are conditioned to feel bad about ourselves. One thing that I found is I feel bad about myself mostly when I'm listening to outside influences. So specifically, I'm 35 and when I hear things like, "Oh, I thought you'd be married by now" or "Don't you want to have kids?" and in those moments even though I've already come to terms with the happiness of where I'm at and I have my own beliefs around those topics, I find myself starting to second guess it and then I'll feel bad about myself. Elizabeth's been on this path longer than I have as of being an entrepreneur. But like you want to talk about the comparing yourself to outside influences. It's like, oh my God. I should be making more money. I should be doing this. I should, I should, I should. And it's all just shooting all over yourself. The shoulds, it's as if they
1: exist in our vocabulary just to make you feel bad about yourself. Should, <laughs> should have to, ought to. Whenever we get into that place of comparison, it is a one-way ticket to hell. We are just on the fucking speed train to feeling bad about ourselves. Any comparison, right? You know, you're 35, I'm 55. Like, just wait another 20 years. The list of shoulds only grows. It's so funny because one of my Achilles heels and where I can still get caught up feeling bad about myself is that most of my peers have either finished their mortgages and or are almost done paying off their houses and I haven't started yet. (laughs) So that's one of the only places that feeling bad about myself can still come in and bite me on the ass. And when I don't shoot on myself, and when i don't compare myself to others and i just sit in my power of the excitement of acquiring the right property for me that i'm in alignment with mm. because i did own a place 20 years ago it's not that i've never been a homeowner i bought it and then the housing market crash happened and i didn't lose my i didn't lose my house i consciously sold it years later at a loss and said I would never own again. So I've processed through a lot of that. And again, as long as I don't compare myself to anyone else and I don't shit on myself about it, I'm in acceptance of where I am at on that spectrum of home ownership and taking into consideration all of the things that are me. Like I wanna continue living in different countries. I wanna continue moving all the time while also creating stability. So I've come up with a system in my own head called the nest. And so now I'm working on like manifesting the nest. And a nest is a lovely, inexpensive, stable home in a place that can house all of my beautiful things. And I can come and go from that place. So I can go live in different countries and come back to it. And you know, other people don't want to manifest that. That's, that's me. That's my dream, right? So like getting really clear about honoring myself, not comparing myself to anyone else keeps me out of the I feel bad category. <laughs>
0: And there's the the shooting all over yourself, right? Comparing yourself to peer groups and other people. But then there's like this societal pressure to be good. The good girl expectation as I've personally experienced it and many of us have. I remember being in a really, really bad mood in my mid-twenties because i just gotten in a big fight with my boyfriend at the time and I was walking down the street and I was righteously mad and I was righteously angry. And I remember this, this older gentleman just goes, "Oh, smile there. You're too pretty not to smile." And I wanted to rip his face off as if I owed it to him in that moment, despite my own experience to look away that pleased him. And women do it too. It often comes from a good place, but it's, "Oh, did you know? Did you see? Did you see Sherry? Did something seem off about her tonight? She just didn't seem like she was herself." Well, yourself gets to be happy, sad, angry, neutral, all of the emotions. And a lot of those times that that I've, I've heard women say that, it's because they're not meeting the expectation of consistently, constantly good. So then we perpetuate that narrative to one another as women that if you feel anything but good, then you must be bad. Right. We, we get it
1: from society, patriarchy, religion, and then we perpetuate it amongst ourselves. People feel bad about themselves if they're not feeling good. Yeah. Anything that is less than good and or less than perfection must be bad. So then we feel bad. So we've got this world full of women who are constantly apologizing for themselves. The I'm sorries are out of control, right? I'm sorry for crying. I'm sorry I got angry. It's like a constant apology for either not doing something perfectly, or in my case, my constant apology was about existing at all. Because I felt unwanted from such a young age, I can't remember a time where I didn't feel guilty for existing. So apologizing for just existing, for just being on the earth, has been a constant feeling for me my whole life. So when I was really suffering from depression, that was a big perpetuator of my depression. And before I knew what suicidal ideation was, I was fantasizing about the relief that my death would bring to myself and others ever since I was a kid. And for me, there's a part of me that always knew I would never do it, but not everyone is that lucky. And that's why we put those phone numbers at the beginning. So if you feel unsure, that number again is 800-273-8255.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I know that that is a vulnerable topic to share. And and I also think that it shows that at the root of feeling bad about yourself is really self-hate.
1: Yeah. And you know, when you hate yourself, it's really hard to take good care of yourself because you feel like you don't deserve love, that you aren't deserving of love and goodness. So you don't deserve to take good care of your body. You don't deserve to eat healthy food. You don't deserve mental health help, or you don't deserve physical help. Like, I can't tell you how many times I moved myself, me at the time, 120 pounds, carrying a sleeper sofa up a flight of stairs alone. Like, you just don't even think to ask for help because this deep-seated belief that you don't deserve it. So it makes any form of loving yourself really fucking difficult, and it keeps compounding on each other. It's like this infinity symbol of self-hatred with each thing leading into the next level of undeserving. And that can feel like a pretty deep hole to, to dig your way out of. So when you feel bad, you also feel wrong a lot. Like there's a lot of self-doubt that goes on with that. You can also feel like that you deserve to be punished. And when you feel like you deserve to be punished, it's like you become a magnet for people who have no problem punishing you or making you feel even worse about yourself. (laughs) I used to attract people that reflected love because I have a lot of love inside of me, and a lot of love to give, even when I was at my most depressed and worst. So I did have loving people around me. And I also manifested people around me that would hurt me and put me down, just like I hurt myself and put myself down in my own mind. So as I started healing and building my capacity to love myself, I started being able to set boundaries with and say no to people who would act anything but loving towards me. So but when you're used to feeling so bad, (laughs) it can feel really foreign to feel good. So you literally have to build your tolerance and capacity for feeling good and for identifying as good if you felt bad for a really long time and identified as bad for a long time.
0: And in your situation, you are able to identify that you felt bad about yourself. For me, I had a hard time identifying that I felt bad about myself at all until we researched this topic. And I found this personality test, uh, this self-hatred test from a a site called psychologica.co. And it starts off by saying, what makes you the way that you are? And then it lists attributes like, you wasted lots of time. You made mistakes. Nobody loves you. You're an outcast. You're a victim of circumstances. And for each statement, you had to rate how often you felt that applied to you. So your options were often, rarely, or never. And as I started going down and reading these phrases, I found my body had had a really strong reaction to them. And I'm like, oh gosh, yeah, these are things that I've actually felt a lot. So you found your particular facets of how Casey Hall feels bad. Yeah. And you know, I'm not one to advocate self-diagnosing or looking for things that are wrong with you. But I found that by reading through these different statements and and connecting to them and seeing how they landed in my body that I'm like, oh gosh, like not only do I identify with this, but I'm I'm actually grateful that I'm having this experience because now I know that these are connected to self-hate and the solution to self-hate is self-love. And so I'm curious for you, Elizabeth, what did the journey look like from going to these thoughts of of feeling bad about yourself and self-hate to starting to shift them to feeling good about yourself through self-love?
1: It has definitely been a lifelong journey for me because I can remember as a small child being asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And all I knew was that I wanted to feel better and that I wanted to make other people feel better. And what made me feel better was comedy. And my icon at the time was Carol Burnett. So I was like, I want to be a comedian. Thank God I never went into that. <laughs> <laughs> I think being a trauma healer is hard. Try being a comedian, no effing way. So I'd say that the journey even started back then with a desire to feel good. And it didn't get conscious until my late 20s when I started on the path of becoming a professional healer. And one of the requirements to go to the Barbara Brennan School of Healing was to have a minimum of 18 therapy sessions a year. And up until that point, I had never had therapy, even though I had been suffering undiagnosed, of course, with anxiety, depression from post-traumatic stress disorder. I hadn't gone to therapy because it didn't even occur to me that I deserved to get help. So when it was like I was I was still so focused on helping others at that point that because it was mandatory in Barbara Brennan School to get therapy, that's what got me into therapy. Thank goodness. You know, I'd say that my journey formally And consciously started then when I started receiving cognitive behavioral therapy and core energetics therapy. And I think part of what still motivates me as a healer is I don't want it to take as long for other people as it took for me to start loving myself. It feels like, yes, I've come so far, but it feels like it's taken me a long time to come as far as I've come. And I'm still on the journey. I'm still on the journey of loving myself. And where self-hatred and the background voices in my head were so cruel and tearing me down all the time, so constant. You're so stupid. You're such a shit. You did that wrong. You're never gonna be good enough. You fucked that up. Like that was a constant background noise for me. It was so continuous that it was subconscious. I feel like like the ground was always being removed from underneath me. Like I was just always constantly sinking. So I'd start to try to change those voices and build it back up. And it's like I couldn't build it back up as fast as I was sinking. So... When you're at that level, when your self-hatred is that constant and that ingrained, it takes more effort. And I remember it probably wasn't even until 13 years into therapy and healing when I remember just being like, damn it, I'm sick of this. (laughs) Like I got really conscious about how cruel the background noise was. And then I was just like, damn it, I'm really sick of this. I need to change this around. And you know, you've just gotta have more critical mass to be able to make those big shifts like that. And that's when I really took the reins in my own hand and started doing serious brain training because when it's that bad, it requires a lot of repetition to make new neural pathways to positive healthy thoughts and behaviors. So then I had to do things like all day, like the whole time I was awake, say positive things to myself. The neuroscience of this is it takes a minimum of five positive thoughts to neutralize one negative thought. So in order to even start to feel positive, it requires six to nine positive thoughts per negative thought. I didn't know that neuroscience at that time, but I felt it. I felt it inside of me. And so I just really worked on making new neural pathways to positive healthy thoughts. So it was it was all day, all day, every day. And I still wake up in the morning and start talking positively to myself. First thing, before I even open my eyes, I say I love and accept myself exactly as I am.
0: And so you had the support of the therapy sessions and energy healing, and you knew that it felt good to say positive things about yourself. And you use the words critical mass. And I think that this is really important, especially for people who are feeling really, really bad or just feeling bad in general and don't see it getting better. Like it just feels so overwhelming that it's like, how can I possibly shift this? Can you talk a little bit more about like the importance of that critical mass and why just doing one small thing isn't enough sometimes? Yeah.
1: Well importantly is it didn't feel good at the beginning (laughs) (laughs) to say the positive things. Um, It felt weird, it felt embarrassing, it felt off, it felt like a lie, it felt like bullshit, Mm -hmm. because I was identified as being bad and less than and unworthy. So you're overcoming a lot of negative programming because it's not just the thoughts. The thoughts are a huge part of it, but mindset work isn't enough to overcome feeling bad about yourself. So the critical mass is when you're so deep in the hole of self-hatred, if you just do a little bit of mindset work or a little bit of therapy or even get some good help, it's really easy to backslide really quickly, because the conditioning is so strong. And the conditioning is mental. It's physical, meaning you have more and stronger neural pathways to feeling bad than you do to feeling good. It's of course emotional you're used to feeling painful emotions more than you're used to feeling good emotions it's relational you can get used to people relating to you in a way that makes you feel bad and that gets perpetuated so in all of these different areas of your life you need to have a lot of support to help you overcome all the negative. And that's, to me, where that statistic of for every one negative, you need at least six to nine positive thoughts to feel good. It needs to be that much goodness. And also energetically, you're not used to holding the energy frequency of feeling good. Often people can only hold it for a few seconds at a time. You know, all those years that I had severe anxiety and depression, I was still laughing. I was still having fun. I was still going out with friends. I still had people who loved me in my life. So there were still a lot of positives happening, but not enough to help me overcome all of the painful conditioning on the mental, emotional, energetic, relational, physical level. So that critical mass is, especially in the beginning, it takes that huge amount of repetition of saying positive things. That's why people think positive affirmations don't work. It's because they say a few and they're like, well, that didn't work. It's like, oh no, you got to say hundreds of thousands to be able to build a neural pathway. Then you have to keep doing it to strengthen that positive neural pathway. And the more often you repeat the positive things, the stronger the positive neural pathway gets, the painful neural pathway weakens with disuse. So there's this pendulum swing in the very beginning. If you were most often feeling bad about yourself, you have to put in a shit ton of repetition and practice to start feeling good about yourself and start creating feel-good hormones. Because often when we feel bad for long periods of time. Our brain function changes and we lose the ability to make dopamine and feel good hormones. So it's like we have to get the machine back producing feel good hormones again. So that's another aspect of the physical part of feeling bad. Another physical part of that is having the right nutrition and enough calories, something I'm still working on to this day. Because when you don't have enough calories and the right kind of nourishment for your body, you produce more stress hormones. That can Keep you in a cycle of feeling bad about yourself, feeling bad physically, but also feeling bad emotionally and mentally because they're completely intertwined. Not getting enough nutrition will keep you functioning at a lower mental level, which will lower your positive feeling hormone production, which will make you feel emotionally sad, angry, uncomfortable emotions. So it is all directly interconnected, going from feeling bad to feeling good
0: and being able to sustain it. You know, I love nerdy neuroscience. One of the things I just took away from what you said was it takes a lot in the beginning to start to shift from feeling bad to feeling good. I mean, from a critical mass standpoint, from an energetic standpoint, from an effort standpoint, and it's uncomfortable and you have to still stay with it. And I think that that's so helpful to hear because it is so easy to try something for a little bit and then give up. I mean, how many people here have not done that with the gym (laughs) 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 or with dieting or with changing any type of behavior. It's like, well, you know, I tried for a little bit and just back to where I started. You didn't give yourself the opportunity to create enough critical mass to shift it. It's not that you're wrong for that or that there's shame in that. I'm reiterating it to build an understanding that it takes a lot. Yeah. And that a lot in the beginning is uncomfortable and it eventually gets more and more comfortable, but that's part of it. As a sensuality coach trained in love, sex, and relationship coaching, the thing I see again and again is we teach others how to treat us by how we treat ourselves. And so when you feel bad about yourself, your partner senses that. And when you feel good about yourself, your partner senses that. And so I remember being in relationships where I was at a stage in my life where I had a lot of beliefs about not being enough or feeling stupid, and I aligned to partners who also believed that to be the case, and actually amplified it and made it worse. And then I can think of other relationships that I've been in, and I worked on my not enoughness, and I became more confident, and I owned my intelligence, and directly affected my relationships and who I aligned to, and I aligned to. people who also felt confident and they saw my confidence and those partners reflected that back to me and it just built. And it supported my growing of self-acceptance and self-love. And so for me, one of the greatest perks about healing myself to feel good about myself is how it shows up in relationships and as these awesome people that I'm aligning to and how good and confident I feel in partnership. Yeah. Casey and I no longer hang out with meanies, do we, Casey? No. When you up-level yourself, you up-level the people that you hang around with.
1: Exactly. And it's not like we hang around with a bunch of yes men either. Our friends are close enough where they can call us out and we can call each other out. But with love, with a mutually wanting to uplift each other and live as the best versions of ourself. I don't have anyone in my life anymore that's mean to me. I don't have time for that shit. I don't either. And no more drama kings and drama queens either. Uh-uh. Done.
0: And I think that's really important, too. I'd imagine a lot of the people listen to our show are um, rather empathic or at least sensitive to what other people feel. And there's an empowerment that comes with doing the work it takes to feel good in the areas that you used to feel bad. And I'm just realizing now, too, like, I don't have energy vampires around me anymore. I don't have people who are trying to suck. Suck my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And that leaves more time and space for energy for me. And even when those people come around, because I've done the work that I have, I can sense them from a mile away. And I'm like, nope. It's not
1: about being perfect in any way. I'm a very flawed individual. It is about living with as much love in my life as possible, you know, and being loving about my own shortcomings instead of being hard on myself about my own shortcomings and loving myself despite my quote unquote flaws. Go back and listen to our last episodes. Slow the fuck down with accepting your flaws. Honestly, it's about honoring the fact that I am love. I am love. The very energy I am made of is love. I am living as love to the best of my human ability in a totally imperfect way, but with as much love, light, lightheartedness, humor, fun that I can. As you keep listening to our podcast, you hear All that Casey and I have been through on our personal and professional journeys. You know how far we've come. And one of the things I feel super passionate about is making it easier for other people than it was for me. And Casey and I are totally here for you. For you, lady slowdown fans, enrollment is on for our Love Yourself virtual group program for women. All you've gotta do is go to the love That's the love Read that page and see if the love yourself program feels right for you the earlier you enroll the more free super slow down stress release classes you get these are virtual somatic classes which means you get to physically move the fight flight freeze faint of stress out of your cells there's also a whole segment about opening your heart and thinking moving being as love. And you get to do all of that from the comfort and safety of your own home. So just go over to the thelove.school and enroll in our new program if that resonates with you. And if you're a dude who wants professional support, contact Casey directly through sensualitycoaching.com. That's sensualitycoaching.com. And now... A word from our sponsor, and then your slowdown interview, slowdown skill, and slow down song. Hey, slowdown fans. It's me, Mother Nature.
0: I feel good about myself when the sun hits my leaves and feeds me with light to grow. I feel good about myself when the rain comes and waters me and my kids. I feel good about myself when the wind blows and spreads my seeds about. I feel good about myself when my leaves fall to the ground, preparing for a slower time. I feel good about myself when the winter comes and gives me a chance to appreciate the stillness, rest, and rejuvenation. And even though humans fuck with me in so many ways, I'll still be here loving myself long after you've done as is wipe yourselves out.
1: Mother Nature throwing down again. And now for your slow down interview. Today Casey and I are so excited because we have Leia Lizarando. Leia Lizarando is the founder and CEO of Food Rescue Hero. Food Rescue Hero is a social enterprise with a technology, logistics, and civic engagement model that aims to fight hunger and promote sustainability by preventing perfectly good food from entering the waste stream and directly distributing to organizations and individuals who are experiencing food insecurity in Pittsburgh and 11 other cities in the USA and Canada. Welcome, Leah. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be
0: here. So, Leia, you clearly done a lot. Can you tell us a story about how slowing down has helped you,
1: you know, either in your work or your personal life?
2: Yeah, I think um, slowing down in general helps both. I was just thinking back, you know, when I started um, this work, I was really not in any way slowing down. I was absolutely uh, laser focused and just tunnel vision and really wanted to get to this goal that I'd set for myself and forgot everything else really so it was just my work and my kids those are my world put friends on pause put life on pause and could manage in my life just these two things you know I would wake up at 4 a.m start working until like 7 a.m and you know then get my kids ready for school and you know from 7 to 9 because they were all in different grades and then go back to work at nine until about five, and then go to like an after work event, and then get home, put kids to bed, and then have that whole thing cycle every single day. So my days were super long and just, you know, not taking care of myself. I did that pretty steadily and without really questioning it for about five years. Wow. Around 2019, for seeing what we've done, and really understanding like, okay, we've done a lot, and I really now, need to take stock and need to take time and understand things that I've forgotten and or put by the wayside and go back to that and that's when I started slowing down or I didn't think it was slowing down but it was I started feeling suddenly when I paused like this hole that I couldn't define you know that really work while so successful was giving me some measure of fulfillment but it wasn't any measure of peace
1: Mm, what a great distinction
2: so that was a moment of reckoning for me, and I wanted to understand what that meant and started uh, meditating because I've heard so much about it. And I've tried it all throughout my life never really understood it or grasped it. And I've always said, you know, I'm too type A. You know, I have monkey brain all the time. I'm never going to get this done. I don't get it. And always trying to un- always understood meditation as as a state that you're, you know, that you're going for, like a destination. My turning point, I would say was reading a couple of books, Eckhart Tolle and and Sam Harris, two different, very different styles. And that that really like made me slow down, made me understand what that means. And it's totally changed my life in COVID, totally changed the way I lead, how I approach relationships, everything. I think the biggest for me when I look back into what slowing down meant was, you know, because it was COVID, because there was a sense of a need for isolation and you know, we couldn't be social. I had to really choose who I would take that risk for. And it was hard to distinguish which which one was work and which one wasn't, because I could consider people friends and colleagues at the same time. But during COVID, it really, you know, now that you only have these finite number of people you could take risks with, right? Who are these? I don't feel like I made a conscious choice and say these are the people. And then I realized that. Oh, wow, these are my real friends. You know, these are the friends would, that I would take a risk with. That was my big revelation. And to this day, You know, I have so much appreciation for that and so much more protective now of the time I spend with people. I I don't just, you know, um, give it away.
0: I really love how you just uh, so beautifully talked about the act of naturally and organically choose who you align to and who you spend your time with that just kind of formed on its own. And now you're left with what sounds like a, a true group of people. Yeah. Have you kept meditating? Oh,
2: I have. It's beautiful. I think it's, you know, I never understood, you know, it as a practice either. Sometimes you, you understand the effects of it later on, you know, when you have a situation where you would have typically been extremely reactive, you know, things that I regret later on are born from is that sense of reactivity but you actually took a moment and then understood the situation for itself. And then after the situation ends, you're like, oh, oh my God, what happened there? That's, that was, I was extremely mindful. In order to change your behavior and your thought
1: process and your words and your actions, it takes practice. It takes a lot of repetition because you're actually building a new neural pathway. So in your case, you didn't just meditate every once in a blue moon, you started a practice of meditation and that gave you the power of the pause where instead of reacting and being reactionary, all of a sudden you had the ability to be like, I'm gonna press pause here (laughs) and then you
2: can respond. Mm, Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also something that I almost always like Guardedly talk about because it can get cavalier for some people. Oh, I meditate. It's, I teach a five step system
1: for regulating your own nervous system. So, one of the steps on purpose, I did not name meditate. I named that step B. For one, for exactly like what you're talking about when you said, I don't know how to do that. I can't get that. I don't get it. You know, that's how I was. 30 years ago when people were telling me how important it was to A, slow down, and B, meditate, I was like, screw you!
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's like... What is this? What do you mean? Focus on my breath.
1: I don't want to waste my time. I got shit to do. Yeah, you know? like I did not see the value. I did not get it. And then when I tried, I would just fall asleep. I was took a very long journey learning how to meditate. I used to live in a, a Tibetan monastery, so of course we were meditating from you know five a.m. to seven p.m. And and I still didn't get it. Right. Once I did get it for myself, and the way I teach meditation is. To just let yourself be. Mm. Whether it's having a cup of tea, taking a walk in nature, taking a walk down your block, walking around your yard. So you're giving yourself an opportunity to have a brainwave shift and take all that pressure off. So when I teach meditation, I say, all you got to do is sit on your butt. Can you sit on your butt? You can meditate. Because if you distill it to, I'm just going to sit here on my butt and I don't have to do anything else. I don't even have to watch my breath. I don't even have to be mindful. I, don't ha- I, I just have to sit on my butt. What I have watched happen in myself and in others is the brainwave shift happens. Because we've taken all the pressure off.
2: Yeah, the striving, right? It's like striving. Like, stop the striving. Just sit. Just be there. I drove myself crazy with the striving. Yes. A lot of the ways we are taught meditation and this works wonders for a lot of people is being focused on an object, right? Whether it's our breath or you know something. For me that has monkey brain that made me feel defeated all the time because I would get distracted, you know, and not focus on my breath. You know, one of those guided meditations that I was listening to is saying, just let go and you know, don't focus focus on anything, just be completely open. And whatever passes, that is your present moment. So if a sound comes, you focus on that sound, it will pass because another sound will come. And then you focus on that sound, a thought will come, identify that thought and see it pass and flitter away. And when I allowed myself that, and you know, that your monkey brain is actually a tool for meditation. For me, that changed everything. And that's how I practice. I start by taking deep breaths to, you know, kind of settle myself down. But and I just become open and, and understand that, that consciousness is open and that everything is just happening in this stream. It's so much more satisfying than than struggling to focus on one thing. So I think for some people who do have very active minds, you know, I think that's a great way to s- or allow yourself to do that.
0: And Leia, I love how you use the word stream to des- to describe that because to me it feels like there's such an an openness to that, but also there's a temporary kind of vibe in there too. So whatever you're going through like you described, it's it's there, you feel it, and then you let it go, you know? And and it, that to me I just found myself taking an exhale when you described that cuz I was like, ah, oh, that's right. Like this too shall pass.
1: Barbara Brennan taught us that your mind is a tool for focusing attention. So especially those of us who, like you said, the monkey brain, very active, very chatty in your head, use it to focus your attention. Give it a job. It's like dogs who um, are work dogs and they can be like really nuts and all over the place. But if you put a a little doggy backpack on them, all of a sudden they're like totally focused because now they have a job. You give your mind something to do that works for you and i always say your thoughts are either healing or hurting and even the hurting ones you can turn them around shift them and use them so that they're healing and you can do that with your with your monkey brain and meditation right on throwing down the wisdom (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that's wisdom it's just my experience hope it helps someone else girl we are going to celebrate your wisdom leia even if you won't Ooh, i love
0: that So one thing we like to do on our podcast is um, promote slowdown songs or music that we ourselves like to listen to. Um, So do you have any music? Yeah,
2: favorite artists um, this group called Thievery Corporation.
0: We have used them in our slowdown playlist.
1: Yes, absolutely. They're awesome.
2: Oh, my God. It's like they're the sexiest is so good. Beautiful and sensual, and just slow, and constantly listening to them talking about what you do. Casey is like, we're not some theory
1: corporation. I'm so there. I'm with you. They're also on our super slow down stress release class where you can learn the nonlinear movement method because they help so much with embodiment and sensuality.
0: I always love um, learning about what music people like instead of cuz I feel like oh yeah it's like it's like we're all kind of connected on this uh, invisible musical wave <laughs> we are how can people support Food Rescue Hero.
2: Oh, that's so easy. They can download the Food Rescue Hero app. Here in Pittsburgh, it's 412 Food Rescue that they download, and it will take them to the other cities where it's available, and they can do food rescues. They can rescue surplus food and drive it to nonprofits and individuals who need it.
1: Beautiful. We will have those links for you on our Patreon page and on our Facebook page, Slow the F Down Show. So go ahead and download that app. Leila Zorando, thank you so much for talking with Casey and I today and sharing your slowdown wisdom with our slowdown fans. And now for your slowdown skill.
0: Our feel good slowdown skill is to simply wrap your arms around yourself, give yourself a big hug, and say out loud three things that you feel good about.
1: Okay, I'll go first. Wrapping my arms around myself, and I feel good about going on a long walk today. I feel good about eating enough protein today. I feel good about doing nonlinear movement this morning for longer than usual. Okay, Casey,
0: your turn. Wrapping my arms around myself, giving myself a big hug. I feel good about going for a walk and laughing with you today. I feel good about making progress on my home projects and I feel good about the people that I have in my life whom I love very much.
1: Now it's your turn slow down fans go ahead and take a moment wrap your arms around yourself and say out loud three things you feel good about. You can do that hundreds of times a day if you want even if you say the same things over and over that's okay you'll always be able to find more and more things to feel good about
0: as you practice. I really love this skill, especially too, because it helps to put things into perspective, social media, news. It's very easy to find things to not feel good about. And so this is a beautiful practice to help kind of feel good about yourself and to cultivate more self-love in the moment using facts that are your lived experience. And now for our Slowdown playlist. Slowdown fan Liesl turned us on to a group called Abaye. Abaye? 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 We have no idea how to say it. Can one of our French-speaking Slowdown fans please cue us into how to sound intelligent and not butcher the pronunciation of this group? That would be amazing. Thank you. They are a French-Cuban sister duo with some cool, chill music. There's two songs in particular that we listen to. One's called Away Away, and the other is better in tune with The Infinite. When I listened to the songs, I found myself really focusing on every word and noticing that it just elicits this upbeat and happy feeling in my body.
1: Yeah, these are two women who are no doubt into expanding conscious awareness and universal love. They're gorgeous to look at and really talented musicians and singers. It looks like they do all of their own writing, playing of music, singing. Um, You can tell in one of their videos, like they have their own amazing setup. And the music is so chill and positive. It's got a great groove. So we're going to put those links up on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com. Slash slow the F down show and our Facebook page so you can definitely expand your slowdown
0: playlist. So Elizabeth, what was your favorite part of today's show?
1: Honestly, I think my favorite part today was talking about suicidal ideation. It's not something that people talk about a lot. I have one friend and I who still joke about it a lot. (laughs) Like, how many times did you feel like killing yourself in the last month? I feel it's important to state so that if people fantasize about killing themselves, they know that that's a normal thing. And that if they even think a little bit that they might do it, that they've got to make a call and get help. Do not wait. Call now.
0: What was your favorite part of today's show, Casey? My favorite part of today's show was the sassiness that Mother Nature brought.
1: (laughs) She brought it hard today.
0: She brought it hard and I love it so much. (laughs) On our next episode,
1: slow the fuck down with blocking love. Thank you
0: for listening and enjoy your slowdown. If you love our show, become a patron you'll get tons of goodies. Go to patreon.com slash slow the F down show and pick the tier that feels best to you. Thank you so much for your love and support. If you're feeling stressed out and you got a big frown, listen to our show and slow the fuck down.